0: You are listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida. Welcome to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5, Rollins College. I'm your host, J.B. Adams. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College and Victor Media Group. You can check out Victor Media Group and its growing library of shows and podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Today, our guest is Natalie Hayes Schmuck, who's a Crummer alumna and currently serves as the founder and owner of Hayes Wealth Advisors, LLC, a financial planning and investment management services company serving optometrists, optometry practice owners and their families. And I'm here with our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Loveland Finley, current student in PMBA 60, Maura Aman, current student in EAMBA MBA 37, Kyle Sawyer, current student in EA MBA 37, and Gerard Mitchell, MBA 2018. And as always, I'm JB Adams, MBA 2011. Welcome everyone. Hello.
1: Hey guys, thanks for having me.
0: In a moment, we're going to listen to the Crummer Connections interview with Natalie Hayes Schmuck that was broadcast earlier this fall. But before we do that, I would like to ask the panel to share some of their thoughts on what the audience should listen for. So what do you think, Loveland? What should the listeners check out in this interview?
2: So um, the way that Natalie was able to craft a career that accommodates her own personal values, um, she was willing to put into work to start her own business, because in return, she really gained that flexibility to carve out some time for her family, which is really great. And then she also refers to this uh, building a life, not just a business.
0: Excellent. Uh, Maura, what do you think?
3: Well, I really love Natalie's insight into the fut- uh, into failure. She, she talks about how failure helps you grow as an individual in multiple areas of your life. And it's just a great takeaway from her story.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Kyle, what was your take?
1: I think Natalie's a perfect example of someone who identified an opportunity and then she trusted her own intuition to build something really great. Um, so anyone who's interested in starting their own business, I think will really enjoy this
0: interview. Terrific. And and Gerard, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I I thought it was great to hear Natalie talk about her business, uh, Hayes Wealth Management.
0: Yeah, uh, I would just like to add that it was very clear to me that her dad is a powerful business role model for her. And I think it's really interesting to notice the parallels between Natalie Hayes Schmuck and her dad. So pay attention to that. So listeners, in the second half of the show, we're going to have Natalie Hayes Schmuck here with our panel, to discuss her career as a financial advisor. Previously, she was at SunTrust, now she's with Hayes Wealth Advisors, it's her company. And she's also gonna talk about her quest to establish and manage her own business. So please stay tuned for that. But first, we're gonna check out that Crummer Connections interview. So let's get started. Welcome to Crummer Connections podcast series. I'm your host, JB Adams. In this series, I'm talking with Crummer alumni and inviting them to share their accomplishments, challenges, and best business advice. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Consistently ranked as the number one MBA in the state of Florida, the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to prepare you to become a global, responsible business leader. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. Today's guest is Natalie Hayes-Schmuck. She graduated from Crummer with her MBA in 2006, and her career in private wealth management started at SunTrust Bank. She went on to receive her certification as a financial planner in 2009, and she left corporate banking in 2013. In 2018, she became the founder and owner of Hayes Wealth Advisors, LLC, a financial planning and investment management service for optometrists optometry practice owners and their families. Natalie, welcome to the show.
5: Thanks so much, I'm honored to be here.
0: Now in a moment, we're going to talk more about Hayes Wealth Advisors and the work that you do, but I just want to start with uh, your relationship with the Kramer Graduate School of Business. You have continued to stay involved as an alumnus.
5: I'm trying to. um, My husband and I are both alumni of Crummer. Um, We met there and we have made a point to try to find ways to stay involved, whether it's through career services or um, I help with the venture plan competition annually. So it's been uh, neat to find ways to stay involved with the school.
0: Something for every alumnus to think about. So Hayes Wealth Advisors is a company that you founded just two years ago. And you work with optometrists. Tell us how you serve them. Uh,
5: So very simply, I do financial planning and investment management, mostly for optometric practice owners, so optometrists who own their own uh, business. Um, So I work with them with retirement planning and making sure risk management is in line um, and helping them meet their long-term goals for themselves and their families.
0: And do you have a cert a certain region that you serve, or are you finding optometrists all around North America? What's your territory?
5: Nope. I um, as long as they're in the United States of America, I will work with them. I have uh, clients from Hawaii all the way to Virginia Beach.
0: All right. Uh, I have to acknowledge that this session is being taped in June of 2020, and every business person is having to adapt. To the pandemic, tell us how the pandemic has affected your business and what you did.
5: So, for my business, it actually hasn't had much of an impact. I I actually conduct all of my meetings with clients the way that we're meeting right now over Zoom. Um, So, whereas a lot of advisors are struggling to find ways to communicate or stay in touch with their clients, and they feel like they can't play golf or. Go to their house, uh, I'm able to do what I've always been doing, which has been really f- fortunate, and there's a little less of a learning curve. so that's been good. Um, uh, on the flip side, not a lot of people want to do retirement planning in the middle of COVID nineteen, so uh, it's been a little slower than normal, but not 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 a complete standstill.
0: I do want to find out what do you love about doing wealth management with optometric? Uh, practices?
5: I really love helping people. Um, Every job I've had that I've loved, that's been a common thread. And there's nothing like telling people who are nervous about their futures that they have a plan in place to help them sleep at night and get where they want to go. To me, that is the most rewarding uh, side of my job. Um, but I also really like being analytical and working with business owners allows me to dig in deep and create interesting spreadsheets. So it keeps me intellectually satisfied as well.
0: You can hear the passion in your voice. Uh, <laughs> so Natalie, I've got some fast facts for you. Uh, first, where were you born?
5: Jackson, Mississippi,
0: Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, and where were you raised?
5: Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh,
0: I do want to find out what were the business influences that shaped you as a young person growing up in Jacksonville?
5: Um, well, so uh, probably mostly my my dad, he was a serial entrepreneur, started a series of businesses. He, he originally was an optometrist, um, had his own practice in Vicksburg, Mississippi and started a company um, that did postcards for optometrists and dental practices. Um, Probably the first company did that um, still around today owned by Staples, Uh, then moved to Florida. And ever since I was old enough to stuff an envelope or a a folder packet, I worked for his businesses, uh, labeling addresses, anything that I could do um, to help out and make money. So that was really impactful to be a part of that and see him design and build businesses that were ultimately quite successful.
0: So your dad was an optometrist, but he built multiple businesses that serve other optometrists. Just curious, did your dad also get a business education or did he just work to figure this out on his own?
5: Nope. My dad um, is from a small town in Sugarlock, Mississippi, kid of a single parent mother household, Uh, went to LSU for a couple of years and didn't graduate, although he's a really big Tiger fan, went to uh, optometry school and started his own practice. So no real world experience. But uh, what he was really good at was finding a need and filling it. That's if it's the voice in my head, find a need and fill it. Um, So and wasn't afraid to take risks. So that worked out really well for him.
0: And, And I know your dad is a role model to you in other ways beyond just being a serial entrepreneur.
5: Yes. So, um, even though he worked quite hard growing up and was in his office till late at night, a lot of times, um, he was my basketball coach. He shot horse with us outside. He came to all my running meets. Um, he was really in my opinion, there for me as a parent. And I think that's hard to do as a um, entrepreneur, but probably easier in the sense that he got to make the rules. And so if he wanted to go somewhere, he could. And that's something that in corporate America, you don't necessarily have the opportunity to do.
0: Yeah, there's a running theme in your story in the difference between corporate America and owning your own business. So uh, when you decided to become an entrepreneur, the values of your dad uh you know rubbed off on you in what ways
5: um well i think i didn't start my first business thinking that it would be easy um i work really hard. I'll work till, I mean, you got emails from me last night at nine o'clock and that was a Sunday. Um, so there's no time that's off limit for getting things done. Um, but it also means that I get to carve out time for my family, which is sometimes hard to do. Um, it means during COVID-19, I can adjust my workload and my work schedule or not market so hard so that I have the ability to take care of my kids because they're home. So it just gives you flexibility and um, financial flexibility as well. I can go work in the mountains if I want to. So it's, it's, um, that was really impactful for me growing up. And I certainly that has been a factor in my decision-making to form my own business for sure.
0: Uh, being an entrepreneur is sometimes a risky business. Tell us about one of the, uh, challenges that your dad faced.
5: Um, well, when he turned a large aged landmark, there was a cake and it had a flag for every business he had ever started. And there were probably only six or seven flags on there that were successes out of 30 or 40 flags. So uh, not everything he did turned to gold. Um, there were a lot of failures along the way. One of the biggest ones, um, was he started a optometric (laughs) Dot com <laughs> back in the late '90s. Um, I had the pleasure of working there. That was a real warning, learning, ex- warning experience, learning experience. Uh, got millions of dollars in venture capital funding, and ultimately ended up busting because the market fell apart and it couldn't keep. The nobody wanted to put more money into it. It's still around today. It got sold off to somebody for next to nothing, um, but yeah i think the thing about failure that i've learned from my personal experience is that you learn or his experience as well you learn so much for it from it about what your values are or how to approach things next time um what worked what didn't work so i failure i know that it's a cliche but it really is the best learning experience because it is the one that stings the most and has the most emotion caught up in it so that that's the best way to view failure is as a learning experience.
0: Exactly. Uh, in a little bit, we're going to hear more about some successful failures. Uh, but when we come back, we will learn more about Natalie's Crummer experience. Stay tuned.
3: I'm Sarah Neely, I'm an Early Advantage MBA student here at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Crummer has enabled me with hands-on, real-world experience that has been translated inside and outside the classroom. I'm very excited for not only the rest of my second year here at Crummer, but also in the future and to come back and visit.
1: For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu.
0: We are back with Natalie Hayes Schmuck talking about her Crummer experience. Now we do this at this point in the narrative because Natalie was an early advantage student she attended Crummer during her bachelor's degree. And so when you were seeking a college and a degree, what was on your mind? What were you looking for?
5: Well, I always knew I wanted a business degree because that could take me anywhere it, you know, it's hard to go from psychology to business, but from business to psychology, you can probably do that. So, um, I felt like it was the best path. I also knew I wanted to do a three, two program. Uh, I tremendous foresight on my part that probably didn't matter, but I figured if I graduated and went to work and wanted to have children, it would be really hard to go back and get an MBA later. Not impossible, but really hard. Um, and, I I thought correctly that it would help me determine what I wanted to do with my life. Um, And one of those where I can always drop out of the 3-2 program, but you can't necessarily get in. So um, I always knew I wanted to do that.
0: I I love the certainty in your voice. Um, In a moment, we're going to talk about your Crummer experience. But right now we're going to play Crummer Insider Free Association. I'm going to read you a list of prompts. Uh, most of these are just whatever comes off the top of your head some of them might ask you to share an opinion are you ready to play?
5: I'm ready.
0: Okay here's the first one. I started my Crummer education in the year 2004. I finished classes and graduated in the year
5: 2006.
0: Um, There were this many students in my cohort 40
5: to 50.
0: Okay good. My cohort was known for being...
5: Interested in real estate back in 2006.
0: <laughs> you, you gave a very thoughtful answer. Um, for our international study, we went to this place.
5: Slovakia and Hungary.
0: The thing that made the greatest impression on me during our international trip was...
5: There were two things, and I'm going to be careful about my order here. The first one is I went on my first date with my husband, so that would be one. Um, number one. And then the second is I, um, I went running with one of the professors because I didn't want to go running by myself in um, Slovakia. And he absolutely left me in his dust. I mean, he I was dying at the end of that run. And I ran cross-country in college, so uh, that was quite memorable for me.
0: And the name of that professor was?
5: Dr. Jim Johnson.
0: My favorite course was?
5: Entrepreneurship.
0: Uh, Who was the professor for that?
5: Uh, Michael Bowers.
0: Uh, I had him as well. Um, My favorite professor was?
5: Probably Dr. Johnson or Dr. Cerdo, One of those two.
0: They were all great. Natalie, thanks for playing free association with me. These are items that any Crummer student can relate to. And I think, uh, you know, that makes all of us approachable with this experience, a uh, challenging, but fun learning experience. Um, I, I know that you had a, a work experience. I don't know if it was an internship, but you had a work experience while you were in school. Was this undergraduate or graduate school?
5: Uh, both. I, okay. I took any job I could at Rollins. I catered and um, filed for a, attorney's office and worked for the international business department. But the most meaningful thing I did is, uh, one of a Crummer alum, Tom Powell, Thomas Powell, uh, had me come help. He was in executive recruiting in the mortgage banking industry in the mid 2000s. So going gangbusters. And so he needed help, um, reading resumes and filing things. And, um, um, looking at atlases to figure out if people lived close enough to the job that was being offered, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. This was before MapQuest. And um, he, I started working there and, and had the opportunity to move up um, from filing to reviewing resumes to listening in on calls with candidates to actually being an executive recruiter myself um, and recruited more support role positions. But also uh, I did a full team Um, recruit from one company to another. And it was an incredible experience to have that much responsibility when I was in college and graduate school.
0: It sounds like he really trusted you with a lot of responsibility.
5: God bless him. He did. (laughs) I worked really hard though. I mean, I did the same as I do now. I get home, be done with classes, pull up my computer, start emailing people, answer emails. So I tried to live up to his expectations out of any of his employees, not just a young one.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, from that, what, what what kind of advice would you give to a current student who's looking for an opportunity?
5: Um, anytime you have an opportunity, um, always ask to do more and always look around and see what you can be doing that nobody's asking you to. I mean, that's how you move up in life. It's not the people who just do their jobs, it's the people who go beyond their jobs.
0: Wow. Excellent advice. When we come back in a moment, we will talk about uh, Natalie's post crummer career. Back in a moment. We are back with Natalie Hayes Schmuck, the uh, founder of Hayes Wealth Advisors. And in this segment, we're going to talk about her post crummer career, how she applied, what she learned to a a variety of experiences. And we're going to start with right after you graduated from Crummer, you went into wealth management uh, for a big bank.
5: Um, After I graduated, I came up to Atlanta uh, and went to work for SunTrust Bank in their private wealth management division. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview with the advisor who had at the time what I believe was the largest book of business in the company. It was $1.2 billion of assets under management. And he hired me to be his analyst and I eventually worked my way up to talking to clients and up to being an advisor. primarily advising the second and third generation of multi-generational family wealth. So think 20 and 30 year olds with millions of dollars on um, how to make their money work for them and last their lifetime.
0: What was uh, one of your biggest takeaways from that experience working at SunTrust?
5: You know, I never moved past an advisor. I think one of the reasons I left was because I didn't know what was next and One thing that I could have done better was to learn how to be more nimble within the organization, network better, uh, learn about different roles. Uh, I think I would have been happier if I had made a better effort to figure out what else was out there in the world of SunTrust.
0: Yeah, in a corporate environment, the network is what will take you to the next level. But you didn't stay at SunTrust. Uh, There's a period of time. Between 2013 and 2018, where I'm, I'm just going to use these words. You went on an adventure.
5: Those are the right words. That is for sure. <laughs> uh,
0: earlier, you mentioned that you met Eric Schmuck as a student at the Kermer Graduate School of Business, and some people meet uh, when they're in college, and they, you know, they maybe don't know what they have in common, but the two of you had in common that you were both business majors.
5: Yeah. So. Um... I think back to the summer that we started dating and uh, we would sit at his parents' house and try to think of business plans to make a big company that would make lots of money. We started, we thought of one called grant right now, a grant writing service. There was no scale, but it was an interesting idea. Um, So from a really early, on in our relationship we both had a passion for entrepreneurship and business and building something and so it just so happened that we enjoyed building things together
0: and that is uh, sort of planting the seeds for this adventure that you decided to take and this was brought about um as a result of the great recession
5: that's right so uh, Eric also works for a bank he works for Regions in their corporate banking division and um back in 2008 we would sit on our couch every sunday and watch the news to see if we had a job to go to the next day it was a, it was actually a really scary time for two kids that had just bought their first house and were 2 years into their career so um we decided early on that we were over-concentrated in banking and that uh, we wanted to find a way to diversify and we couldn't think of any really good business ideas at the time. So we started looking at franchises and uh, we got really close with sports clips. We went to Discovery Day and decided not to go down that path. And so Eric was doing spearheading most of that work. And he found a women's only gym that had been around since the sixties. And they were looking to expand their model through franchising. He thought, what an established business. And, um, so we bought the rights to multiple locations, uh, took us, I think two and a half years just to find the first one. And we did. And so in 2013, I left my great job at SunTrust Bank as a financial advisor to open a women's only gym for $15 a month to join. So uh, it was definitely a, a little bit of 180.
0: Yeah. And uh, at its peak, how many uh, locations were you operating?
5: Thank God. Just one. Um, we, yeah, it it limped along for a couple of years. Um, I was working, I mean, 60 to 80 hours a week. It was really hard. Um, and finally we decided, um, I was pregnant with our second child. I wasn't home at nights because that's when people go to the gym and we decided that we were going to divest of what was left of it and, um, move on.
0: And uh, what was your takeaway from that experience?
5: I'm almost at a point where I can say I'm really glad I had that experience. It was it was very painful actually, um, but the two things I learned were to always be forward-looking with your business model, not backward-looking. This was when Orange Theory was coming up, but we looked backward instead of forward. And then the other thing is to trust your gut and to work with people you like to work with. I think that was, my gut was not into the model or the business from the beginning but you know we did it together and made the decision together so um you know could have should have would have but now i know
0: you divested from the franchise business and you had to uh, figure out what was going to be next what were the criteria that helped you make this decision how did you find your way
5: well, I wanted very, very badly to buy something. Um, I looked at a mold remediation company. I looked at a mine We I walked away from franchises for once and for all from that after that. Um, I wanted very badly to buy something that was up and running that I could learn. Um, but nothing really seemed like it was a good fit for what I was passionate about and my skill set and expertise. And my dad has been asking me to do wealth management for optometrist since I was working at SunTrust. He said, "Find a need and fill it." And these guys really need it. So I finally decided, you know what? This is something I can start slow. I still have young children. I can work from home, which uh, you can see I'm doing. And it, and I love doing it. I really do. Um, I just like doing it on my own terms, where I get to spend as much time with clients as I want to, and. Um, prioritize based on what people's needs are rather than bank revenue. So, um, yeah, so I landed right back where I started.
0: Uh, I know you love it. And as I said earlier, you can hear the passion in your voice, but you are running the business and it's it's not always easy. Tell us what's hard about it.
5: Um Everything. (laughs) I do. I'm the chief compliance officer and I'm the marketing person and I'm the person who has to make photocopies and I do my own books and um, I have to do everything. And that is quite hard.
0: Yeah. And what makes it all worth it?
5: So so what really makes it all worth it is I'm not just building a business. I'm building a life. Uh,
0: In the context of everything that we've discussed and your relationship to the Crummer Graduate School of Business. Tell us, how do you think Crummer made you a different person?
5: Crummer made me better prepared for the real world than undergraduate did. Um, remember, I was an EA, MBA, so those go together for me. Um, and it's also really nice to know that I have a very interesting network of alumni. I follow most of my class on Facebook, and while I'm not active friends with too, too many of them. Um, I know I can pick up the phone any day and call any number of really interesting connected people um, and have a good conversation.
0: Yep. It's an extended family. If there were any prospective students listening to the show today, what advice would you give to them about considering an MBA?
5: Um, well, we talked a little bit about knowing what you want to do. And while I knew I wanted to do business, I didn't know what that meant. And getting your MBA just introduces you to a much bigger world than having a marketing degree or a business degree would. Um, It just helps you see all the different pieces and how they work together. Um, And that's something I don't know where else you could get except for through an MBA.
0: Exactly. Uh, Natalie, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out and get into touch with you, how should they reach you?
5: I'm on LinkedIn, might take me a minute to answer messages, but it's Natalie Hayes-Schmuck. And you can always find me at hayeswealthadvisors.com. My email address, my direct email address is on there as well.
0: Natalie, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a great pleasure hearing your stories. And uh, I'm excited to find out what happens next in your career and in your life.
5: Thanks so much, JB. It really is an honor being here. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. This is JB Adams. Please stay tuned for the second half of the Crummer Hour. When we come back, we'll meet with Natalie Hayes Schmuck to get her responses to questions submitted by you, our listeners, and Crummer students and alumni. You are listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida.
1: Hi, my name is Brandon Anderson, an Early Advantage MBA student here at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. My time during undergraduate was a complete immersive experience. When I was searching for the next opportunity after graduation, an MBA at Crummer was the best option for me. Crummer has helped me to gain the aptitude and grow as a leader, which have both been essential in reaching my potential. For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu.
0: Welcome back to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 915 Rollins College. I'm your host, JB Adams. On this program, we feature insightful conversations with faculty, alumni, and students of the Crummer Graduate School of Business as we share ideas and advice in the areas of business, technology, leadership, and professional development. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College and Victor Media Group. You can check out Victor Media Group and its growing library of shows and podcasts at victormediagroup.co. In today's Crummer Hour, we are talking with Natalie Hayes Schmuck. She's a Crummer alumna who graduated with her MBA in 2006, and she currently serves as the founder and owner of Hayes Wealth Advisors, LLC, a financial planning and investment management services company serving optometrists, optometry practice owners, and their families. In the first half of the show, we heard Ms. Schmuck describe her upbringing, learning business lessons from her entrepreneurial father, her Crummer experience, some of her early career lessons and her journey to becoming a small business owner. And now in the second half of the show, we have her here with us live in the VMG studio to have her respond to questions that were provided by Crummer students, faculty, and alumni. Natalie Hayes Schmuck, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. It's, a, it's truly an honor to be here.
0: It's so great to have you back. And with us, we have our panel of Crummer alumni and students, which includes Loveland Finley, current student in PMBA 60.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Maura Aman, current student in EA MBA 37.
3: Thanks so much, JB. I'm really excited.
0: Welcome. Kyle Sawyer, current student in EA MBA 37.
1: Hey, guys. Happy to be here.
0: Gerard Mitchell, MBA 2018.
4: Great to be with you guys today.
0: And as always, I'm JB Adams, MBA 2011. All right, Natalie Hayes-Schmuck, welcome again. Let's get started with the questions. Our first question is about finance and the financial industry. And that question comes from Loveland.
2: So I'm currently taking finance right now, and I feel that it's a different and unique way of thinking honestly it's just to me it's like I don't know how you do it so I'm wondering if you always had that kind of thinking for finance or if you learn it as you were going through the program do you do you believe that I can learn how to think that way like I feel like to me it's like I feel like I'm a little bit hopeful sometimes but what tips do you have for me while I'm in this program right now
5: That is such a great question. And the first thing you should know is that I was a C-Math student in high school. (laughs) Not my thing. Um, So I kind of view finance almost like learning a new language. It just takes studying and practice. And it really is a new language. So I think there's hope. And um, I encourage you, anybody who's interested in learning more, to try to find. There's podcasts. There's books that take a complicated concept and make it really simple using an example, Um, and and that's really the best way to learn is to use real examples on something you care about, but you'll get the hang of Cap-M and, you know, (laughs) it'll be okay. It just takes practice.
2: I have never heard of that. Somebody gave me that advice, so I will definitely take into consideration. It's like learning a full new language. I agree Mm -hmm. with you. I agree. (laughs)
0: All right. I have a follow-up question that's kind of in the same vein. So you just told us that you were a C math student, but somewhere along the way you fell in love with finance. So um, in your interview, you said that you always wanted to do business, but you weren't sure what that meant. So how did you find your way to finance and were there other areas of business that you tried and that you ruled out? That's
5: a great question. Um, I'm not sure I fell in love with finance. I think I fell in love with helping people <laughs> reach their financial goals and once I had that bug in my ear, it became very easy to dissect a life insurance policy and put it back together and compare it with, you know, Piedermin and invest the difference. It just it became very easy once I cared about the outcome. Um so and unfortunately I cannot say that I really tried any other fields. Um you know, I have since COVID, my husband's home and he's in finance too and he speaks a different language and I, you know, could learn it if I wanted to, but I like what I do better. So I think it was more finding something I was really passionate about and that made me learn it rather than thinking I would be trying to learn it without having an end goal. So, yeah. So
0: to pick up on something that you just said, do you feel like you're sort of a translator to the people who don't or can't understand finance? You help it make you help make it easier for them.
5: That's actually um That's actually something I really, and I'm not like a toot my own horn kind of person, but that's actually something I feel like I'm really good at is taking a very complex um, idea and making it very simple and translatable. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons I'm good at my job is um, even when I work with complex estate planning, I can take this complicated multi-year you know, multifaceted approach and try to make it plain English. Um, And I'm really big on just taking little baby steps for clients so we can take one step in the right direction and they can know what the next step is and not have to worry about every single piece of the bigger picture. So that is exactly my job is to be a translator.
0: Excellent. Uh, Then that really clarifies the value of the service that you provide. All right. Our next question is from Maura.
3: Hi. Um, So I actually don't know a lot about finance, but um, so I'm curious about this. Um, How do you keep up with all of the changes in finance as a wealth advisor? Do you have to follow the financial markets on a regular basis? Like, what does that really look like for you?
5: Yeah, so that's um, a really good question because it's probably not what you think it is. Um, So I'm not watching Jim Cramer (laughs) and his stock fit. Um, So I do, there's actually a lot to know. So I have to know everything from tax codes to exemptions to how much you can contribute to your traditional and Roth and 401k and simple IRA and um, knowing what estate planning changes there are out there. So it is, it's a alphabet soup of knowledge. Um, And so I really make sure that I'm keeping up with, you know, the Financial Planning Times (laughs) magazine. And um, I do keep up with a lot of market research, um, which I think was part of your question, but it's not um, necessarily the Wall Street Journal. It's more looking at what BlackRock or what PIMCO thinks fixed income is going to do and economic trends, because I'm not a stock picker. I'm a, I'm a long-term strategic money investor. So um, so I'm really interested in long-term trends in the market. Um, so <laughs> I hope that answers your question a little bit. It is an interesting time to be asking that, but it's a lot of research. And I, I got to be honest, I Google a lot or, or I go to, I have charts that have exemptions. It's not like I remember everything off the top of my head. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Hey, Natalie, I've got a follow-up just out of curiosity. What percentage of your time is doing that research, what percentage of your time is taking care of customers?
5: Um, So for every one hour of a customer meeting, I probably put in two hours of prep, sometimes more.
0: Okay. So that that helps clarify the picture for anyone who's interested in sort of getting into your game about how you actually spend your time. Um, Our next question is from Gerard.
4: Yeah, Natalie. Speaking about you as a wealth advisor, do you have a financial philosophy you follow?
5: I do. That's a, um, And I get it from my dad, but I always just taught live below your means. And I think that's really stayed with me. And that's what I really try to do with clients is help them to live below their means because it makes it much easier. Everything else falls in place if you can do that one thing.
4: Oh, great. Thank you.
0: Okay, uh, Natalie, our next question uh, still in the topic of finance and the financial industry is from Kyle.
1: Hey, Natalie, uh, what do you think that companies, whether they're in the financial industry or just in general, what do you think they're increasingly looking for today and in the future as they recruit? Um, And what skills do you think MBA students should be building now to work in finance post-graduation?
5: so, a uh, couple of things. One thing that I think is um, better than when I graduated, um, is that I think finance jobs are looking for more diversity than they were historically. I think hopefully most companies are, and I, I view that as a very positive thing. Um, the The one thing, you know, having interviewed, I just recently hired two people, having interviewed people, having heard other finance professionals interview people, We're looking for some kind of baseline knowledge. Again, go to Google (laughs) about what you're interviewing about. Just something, even if you don't understand exactly what debt capital markets does or what investment banking is, just have some concept of it or some key terms, some kind of um, indication that you're interested. That's huge. If someone comes to me and is like, well, I was looking at doing a Roth IRA because I thought it would be really great for myself. I'm much more open to someone who's interested in the topic. So that goes for any area of finance. Um, And then the second thing is the ability to do critical thinking. And I don't do this in my job, put people on the spot on math questions, but I know a lot of areas that banks do, especially real true, you know, corporate banking and finance, and they don't really care that you get the answer right. They want to know that you have the ability to think through the process. So all those interview questions they give you to practice on, Take them seriously, um, because it does again, it doesn't matter if you have the right answer. It matters that you have the ability to go from the big picture down to the answer and think through it. That's what they want to see the ability to do.
1: That's great. Thank you so much.
0: Moore has a follow-up question.
3: Sorry, Kyle. Speaking about some of that information that you just shared, um, is like in comparison to where you were at the beginning of your MBA and then once you graduated and so on how often did your preference change on where you wanted to be in the finance industry or did you even see yourself there when you first were starting grad school
5: um well so given what y'all just listened to you're gonna laugh but what i really thought i wanted to go into was venture capital um ironically um but uh I don't think I wanted to work those hours or I think there was part of me that didn't want to put in that lifestyle, I guess. Um, So I don't think I really knew what I wanted to do. I thought I was going to go into executive recruiting. I didn't like the jobs that I was offered. I kind of fell into it. So I, I guess my one piece of advice is network as much as you can and talk to as many people as you can, because you never know one, what job will pop up or two what's going to resonate with you. So um, I'm working with a mentee right now. If, I, hopefully she's, she'll listen to this. She's amazing, but I definitely put her out of her comfort zone in terms of having her talk to different people in her company and outside of her company. But it's just amazing what you can learn and what kind of opportunities there are if you just bother to have a conversation with someone that you wouldn't otherwise. So I hope I, th- that's really my, my takeaway is talk to as many people as possible because that will help you get where you want to go. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, our next question is about your role as a small business owner and founder of Hayes Wealth Advisors, which is from Loveland.
2: Thank you. Um, so that's, a, that's going back to the beginning of Hayes Wealth Advisor. Um, how did you go about building your client base? You know, was, was there like a ramp up period when you started the business or, and, you know, and what was it like? Was it slowly and then it ramped
5: up or was it like? Uh, well, I still feel like I'm ramping up. So I'm not sure I'll ever feel like I'm there though. I, I don't even know what that looks like. Ironically, I just was reviewing my goals for the year versus my actual performance. And I basically doubled them and I still don't feel like that's good enough. So, um, but in this world, it is a snowballing business. I think in most sales careers, a lot of times it's a snowballing business. If you, um, you know you're grinding really really hard and then your assets under management grow and snowball and snowball and so i've had a, a lot of that this year i'll have more of that next year it, it takes time <laughs> and patience did it's you do thing.
2: a lot did you do a lot of um cold calls or calling everybody that you knew like family and friends or was it like word of the mouth when you were starting your clientele
5: yeah um no Not at all. So I've never been comfortable with calling family and friends on family and friends. Um, That's one of the reasons I do optometric practice owners is because I don't, you know, you tell people you're a financial advisor sometimes and you feel like a used car salesman. So no, I did not grab the phone book. I didn't start cold calling. Um, I was really intentional about my image in the marketplace. So my first hard launch was a a webinar with somebody who's really well respected in the industry. Um, And I built my list that way. And I emailed them every Sunday, every single week, and slowly and slowly they started to trickle in. So I, I really, um, I approach marketing and building my client base from a being credible and knowledgeable. And um, people are calling me because they heard something I said or did and it resonated very different approach.
2: Thank you. Appreciate that. You're
0: listening to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 915 Rollins College. Our guest is Crummer Alumna Natalie Hayes Schmuck, and we will continue our conversation with her in just a moment, so please stay with us.
3: Hi, I'm Mallory Bliss, an Early Advantage MBA student at Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. When I was searching for my next opportunity after graduation, an MBA at Crummer was the best opportunity for me. I was nervous about starting at Crummer with my science background, but my fears were calmed on the very first day. Crummer is helping me pursue my aspiration of working in the pharmaceutical industry.
1: For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu.
0: Welcome back to the Crummer Hour. I'm your host, JB Adams. Our guest is Crummer alumna, Natalie Hayes Schmuck. And with us, we have our panel of Crummer students and alumni with more questions about Ms. Schmuck's career. We have another question about your Crummer experience from Loveland.
2: Yes, okay, so, um, this is really cool to know right now because I'm, I'm in the program and I'm really interested in what is your favorite course or courses during your time at Crummer?
5: Oh, so many. <laughs> um, I think, so these aren't, uh, entrepreneurship was by far one of my favorite courses. And I think one of the reasons is every week we had a speaker come in and tell us about the business they started. And every week we got asked, are they a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Um, that was really eye-opening for me to just see how big the world is out there and, and not through Procter & Gamble and um, Southwest, you're like, you know, like like little, nimble, new companies that are doing cool things. Um, I took a real estate class there where we actually had to do a project that the guy actually took action on and that was super fun. Um, so, But that was more because of the output probably than... I was interested in real estate, um, and then I really enjoyed international business. I've always liked it. I was an international business major at Rollins, um, but I've always enjoyed that, and that class ran into our practicum, and so that was by definitely one of my favorites with Dr. Johnson.
2: And and I just have to say, honestly, when I watch your... Um, had to you know, rewatch your podcast, it plays over and over again sometimes, but I, I actually changed one of my courses for my elective to take an entrepreneur class after listening to your podcast. Honestly, I emailed and said, okay, change my schedule um, because of your podcast. So thank you for that.
5: Oh, Evelyn, I'm blushing. <laughs> Thanks. I think you'll enjoy it. I hope I didn't lead you astray there.
2: No, no, I think you'll be, this Dr. Max Linden is a professor, so I'm Okay. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, our next question is about your personal and professional development. And this question comes from Mora.
3: So we all know leaders are readers and you certainly read. Um, you just mentioned that you're reading the book, Getting Things Done. And so I actually have two questions. Um, my first would be, who's the author of that book? Cause I'd absolutely love to read it and I'm sure others would too. And also what others are you reading right now?
5: Okay, so the author Getting Things Done Don't judge when you get it, but um, it's, it was, it was written on CDs or spoken on CDs. So they're constantly CDs and blackberries. So, but the information is still relevant. It's by David Allen. Okay. Um, So that's getting things done. I just finished um, extreme ownership, which I really love just from a personal perspective and then I listen every year to how to win friends and influence people. I feel like every January, everybody should listen to that book because it makes it's such a game changer in how you approach life. Um, I love the, how I built this podcast. I love money and, um, the indicator because it takes economic trends and makes them simple. And honestly, I learned a lot of things I can take complex things and put them in perspective for clients from, Um, and then I listen to a lot of boring financial podcasts that I wouldn't recommend. Um, but I am, um, my husband laughs at me. I listen to audiobooks at one and a half times speed. I mean, I don't think, I think it drives them crazy, but you know, it takes a nine hour book and makes it into a seven hour book. So um, that, that helps me, but I listen in the shower. I listen, I don't read a lot of paper books. It's just, I'm an auditory person, but I listen in the shower and in the car and when I'm working out every minute I can get.
0: Natalie I just I just want to reiterate I'm so impressed by someone who revisits Dale Carnegie once <laughs> a year. I, it would, is, I admire that.
5: It is um it is such a good I just I refresh every time I listen to it.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, we have another question from Kyle.
1: So this recording is is happening during the pandemic and so I feel like everyone has a little bit of extra free time on their hands. Do you think that there's maybe sometimes it depends I guess on who you are, but is there is there a habit that you think that the young entrepreneurs should focus on building during these times?
5: I mean if 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 young entrepreneurs have extra time on their hands, I would focus on taking a step back and looking at your business and what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and what your long-term goals are and putting short-term steps to reach those long-term goals. That would be number one. That's one thing I feel like if I had extra time, I would spend more of it on my, I call it practice management, but, you know, manage strategic, um, strategic planning for your, your business. Um, But really, I mean, there's a program called strategic coach. That's amazing. And they take, here's my end goal. And it takes all these, it takes you back to all the baby steps you need to do to get to your end goal. And so if you can find a um, goal tracking system that turns it into steps, that would be worthy time. And then um, networking (laughs) would be the other one is if you're bored, call up the supplier and ask what they're looking for. Call up a, you know, attorney who works in your field and ask them what's going on. I mean, call up your competitor. (laughs) How's it going? I mean, just, yeah, networking.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's great. Bullet journals have been uh, recommended, I think, a lot just to, you know, write down your accomplishments, write down, you know, take a take a time to reflect and, uh, you know, really look back on what you've accomplished. And you can use that as, you know, future selling points when you're networking and all that jazz. So thank you. I,
5: I love that. Also, rewrite your bio with everything you've accomplished over the last year. That's one thing. I, I do these webinars and I have the same bio and I'm like, oh, I need to change it. It's so boring. So... Rewrite your bio.
0: Excellent. All right. We we have our last set of questions here. And when we were preparing these, these just sort of all fell into kind of a new category for us. And these questions are about adapting. So we're coming in on, uh, you know, when this is broadcast, we'll be in the year 2021. But this is advice that's going to be evergreen. So this past year, 2020 has been a challenge for all of us and we will still be dealing with some of the challenges of 2020 as we get into 2021. So these questions invite you to share some of your advice to students and professionals on how to adapt to crisis situations or just challenging circumstances. The first one is from Gerard.
4: Thanks, JB. Natalie, during the, I guess, the the year of the pandemic, Uh, how have your strategies changed? Because you talk about a lot of strategies of getting your work done and you have a rhythm, you have a flow, but there's been big challenge, big adjustment. How, how have things changed and how have you dealt with that?
5: Not sure I've dealt really well for me. The biggest change is having uncertainty around childcare. I mean, that is my, my personal biggest challenge. Um, might be able to hear my kids in the background right now. I apologize. Um, it's been, um, you know, I don't know when my kid's going to get sent home from school for two weeks because they've been quarantined. Fortunately, most of my clients are really understanding. I'm, I'm still, if I figure that one out, (laughs) I'll let you know, but I, I, I don't have an answer there. Um, but in terms of like general strategies with my clients, you know, when we talk about, I find things that are relevant to them, to me, that was learning everything about PPP and HSS grants and like everything that happened in the CARES Act, that was just part of my job. And actually it, it made me really valuable for other, um, and business came in and now, you know, PPP is non-deductible. So I'm calling everyone about their tax bill. I mean, it, it actually gave me a lot of opportunity and- I found that in 2008 as well, Um, you know, I started my career in financial services in 06. So I was there through the great recession and we had more business than we ever had in 2009 because people are like, oh, maybe I don't know it all. So this is, this is a time of opportunity for me and really for anyone who's out there right now, because this is where you learn, this is where you see as bad as it can get. And this is where you add value to anyone in any business. This is where you can add a lot of value by solving problems.
4: So a a follow-up question to that. How have you stayed motivated? Because you sound so motivated even, you know, at the end of 2020. So how have you stayed motivated?
5: I mean, I don't have time to not be motivated. I have gotten more phone calls. I mean, it's a great problem to have. I'm not, you know, I was laughing when you asked what I should do with my extra time because I don't have it, But, um, but I'm really helping people right now. I mean, we're looking at all kinds of cool strategies because of PPP. We're looking at, you know, savings plans to make sure if they want to walk away from their practice, they can. I I mean, this is, this is energizing. This isn't motivating. Um, So it's been easy for me, but part of that is loving what I do. And part of that is being able to see that, you know, people really need it right now. And so that keeps me going, whether I feel really motivated personally or not.
4: Great. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Natalie, I want to, sort of draw a connection between where we started and and where we're finishing with what you just said. So at the beginning of the interview, you talked about how it wasn't about finance, it was about helping people. And you just sort of reiterated that with your answer about how to adapt to these very challenging situations. So um do you have to change your approach as you're working you know face to face with clients, or should I say virtually face to face with clients to address their concerns, their fears, their needs? I mean, do you have to spend more time with that?
5: You know, I'm doing that whether I feel like you should always be doing that. Maybe we forget that, but you should always be asking Dale Carnegie, what's important to you? You know it's not. Anytime anybody has a client in any business, it's not about me. So I can tell you what I know, but it's really about you and where you want to go and where you want to accomplish. So maybe the answers are a little bit different or a little more fearful today than they normally are. Um, But, but the questions are the same. So I don't, I mean, I've had to learn new content. I've had to, I've had to learn a lot. I've had to spend hours listening to podcasts on all the, the stimulus packages that's coming out, but other than that, how I deal with clients is, is, is the work's a little different, but the approach is still the same.
0: That's powerful stuff. Uh, so Natalie, we are bringing this session to a close, and we just have one final question for you. And that question is, what message would you like to send to the Crummer community?
5: You know, it, I want to be respectful. I've had a really banner year, um, and I realize that a lot of people, especially in Central Florida, are having a very hard time with. Layoffs and um, this will pass. This passed in 2008. It'll pass again. The market's not going to ever not go up, or it's not. You know, like this. This is this is a moment in time, and so have that long term approach, and it will help if you can look a year or five years and setting those strategic priorities and where you want to go and where you want to be and work toward that, and not get lost in the fact that we're stuck at home. And, and sometimes there's no toilet paper. And to, to focus on the future, not all the things that might not be going right in the present.
0: Wonderful. With that, I want to say thank you, Natalie Hayes Schmook, founder and owner of Hayes Wealth Advisors. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Cromer Hour today.
5: Again, been an honor. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And I would also like to thank our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Loveland Findlay, Maura Aman, Gerard Mitchell, Kyle Sawyer. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Natalie. This Thanks was for great. Thank us. you.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Today's Crummer Hour has been brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now is a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business, and the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, responsible, innovative business leader. To learn more about the programs and begin the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu. The Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. The Crummer Hour is a production of Victor Media Group. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow Victor Media Group on your favorite social media platform or visit our website at victormediagroup.co. Today's show was hosted by J.B. Adams and executive produced by Gerard Mitchell with sound editing by Aaron Trinka and production assistance by Kyle Sawyer. Our gratitude goes out to Greg Golden, Director of Student Media at Rollins College, the entire team at WPRK, and Mike Brown and Loveland Finley in Crummer Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. This is JB Adams, and until next time, Fiat Lux.